This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me from right across the way in his cubicle, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. What's up, Nate? Hey, John. How's it going today? Doing okay. Doing the best we can here with the situation. <laughs> not, not necessarily the best uh, audio setup we've ever had, but we're going to make do. Yeah, we'll get it done. No problem. Exactly. We are recording this on Tuesday. It's a little bit of a strange situation because... The Yankees have just won two games in a row. Obviously, we hope, and let's even say we expect that's going to be four by the time you're listening to this. So it's uh, there's still plenty of reason to be optimistic, obviously. But Nate, even just those two games, it sure has felt different here the last two days. Yeah, they have gone pretty well, John. Uh, great crowds here at Yankee Stadium. Great atmosphere. Nice to hopefully uh, get back on the winning track after scuffling along for a little bit. That would be pretty great, obviously. And God, you, you knew it was going to happen. You knew there was going to be a slump somewhere. It's just the nature of things. And again, as we sit here a couple of days before you're going to be listening to it, but the team still has a healthy, large, you would even say, lead in the division. And I'm going to change a little bit of what I was saying previously. What I was saying for most of the first half of the season was the benefit of the fact that you bank every one of these wins. And obviously we're seeing the value of that now. Another thing I'm going to throw in as we speak in Actually, I guess we're in late August. As you sit there in late August, every day is another day that the teams behind you, whether they're the Rays or the Blue Jays or, I mean, sure, let's say the Orioles, if they don't make up ground that day, that's a day lost at that point. So if we look at Monday night, the Yankees beat the Mets. It was a really exciting win here. It was a great win here. And we are now at the time of the season where you can also look at that win and say that is a day that a team chasing the Yankees did not gain any ground and that's as big as the win at this point so that's the part of the season run is the reality and obviously look we're like a week away from labor day now this is what we look forward to as baseball fans I and mean, we love the baseball season we love every one of those weird pirates matchups that we have uh whether in pittsburgh or earlier in this year actually i guess they're actually coming to town this month but this is september baseball now or we're getting close to september baseball now this is when it gets to be the thing that we truly love right yeah, no doubt. You know, we're uh, checking the the uh, standings a little more closely every day and checking out the AL leaderboards for, uh, you know, the statistics, see who's who's leading what and, and by how many. I think that'll also be a, an intriguing thing to follow as we come down the, the home stretch here. But um, yeah, like you said, I mean, we knew that we weren't going to be playing, you know, 750 ball the entire year. It just doesn't work like that. So you kind of expected that there was going to be a, uh, you know, a little rough patch at some point, and hopefully we've weathered the storm and uh, September is is uh, better than August has been. 
For sure. And I think this is actually a good place to get into this episode because there are two stories we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, Nate, your Q&A with Paul O'Neill. And then also while we're doing that, we're going to recap Paul O'Neill Day, which was here on Sunday. And then we we have another really just fantastic piece that was in the August issue about George Selkirk, a guy who I'm going to flat out admit until the first time I edited this story, I had never heard of him. And what a baseball life this guy lived, Nate. It it was really a very fun piece that Rich Tomaselli wrote for us, and I'm excited to talk about this. But let's just start with Paul O'Neill. And I I don't think we can even just start with a Q&A as good as it is, because I think to carry on with the theme that we started here with, the Yankees are on, (laughs) you know, the two-game winning streak, if you will. And we were talking about this just now before we started recording, Nate. I think there's a very good chance that if the Yankees go on the kind of run in September that we know they're capable of, that we're going to look to Sunday's game and the Andrew Benintendi home run in particular as a real turning point for the season, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'll remain to be seen. We'll see where they go from here. But, um, you know, it does feel like in the last week or so, you know, there's been a couple of moments that could be that spark, you know. And I think some of the plays that Oswaldo Cabrera has made have kind of maybe have been that sort of little spark as well. But really, you know, it's it's going to come down to the health of this team down the stretch. You know, they were just so blessed over the first four months to deal with so few injuries. It was uh, kind of absurd uh, just how healthy the team was. And uh, now you got some some guys who are a little nicked up, uh, some important guys, and uh, they should be coming back relatively soon, uh, some of them. So that's going to be the biggest factor. You know, we don't want to see any more important guys go down and let's get guys like Giancarlo Stanton and Matt Carpenter and those guys back in the lineup. Absolutely. It was really interesting to me. I think we always knew and we, and we know that Yankees fans really, really truly do just have such affection for those late nineties teams. And obviously for Paul O'Neill. And one thing that I found fascinating during the ceremony, beyond the fact that just it was so alive in the stadium throughout it, and the fans were just going absolutely wild for each of the guys that came back. But on on the video board, there were some guys who weren't able to make it, and one of them was Don Mattingly, and he called the trade that brought Paul O'Neill over to the Yankees the biggest in baseball history other than Babe Ruth. And I don't know how many people not associated with the Yankees of the 80s and early 90s and then who who saw what happened in the aftermath would necessarily have gone there but you can kind of see why a guy like Don Mattingly would yeah no question I mean Paul O'Neill kind of came along right at the right time but also just brought so much to this team when he did come here that uh yeah it was just a, a monumental trade you know and it's kind of funny how he wasn't really expecting it or necessarily even wanted to come here. I mean, he was the Ohio native who grew up a Reds fan and that was the franchise that had drafted him. He won a world series there. Uh, he was very comfortable, but baseball has a business side to it. And the Reds and Yankees made the trade Roberto Kelly for Paul O'Neill. And uh, it wasn't long after that, that the franchise here really just turned a corner and, um, O'Neill was just such a huge part of that. His leadership, his fiery intensity, it's not hard to see why he became such a fan favorite and why a day like Sunday was, as you said, as electric as it was here in the Bronx. So Nate, you got about 20 minutes with him on the phone a couple months back to, to chat for this terrific Q and a that you put together for this issue. A guy like Paul O'Neill, who's been around for so long and who has been retired for so long. Obviously you sometimes run into the question of 
how much new ground is there to mine with a guy like this? We've done stories with Paul O'Neill. We've done Q and A's with Paul O'Neill. He hasn't swung a bat since the last one in a sense, but there is something that's obviously magical and special about getting that call that your number is going up in Monument Park. And obviously I think that does change a person. I think that does change a person's perspective. So Nate, what were you able to find in talking to him that maybe was different from what you had already read, heard, learned in all of your research leading up to it? And and frankly, in your other conversations with him. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it's always an absolute pleasure to speak with Paul O'Neill uh, whenever I get a chance to. Uh, he's just such a personable, likable guy. Um, and you're right, you know, for a guy who has received a lot of accolades, but, you know, I don't think anybody thinks is, is going to be going into the Hall of Fame. This is like the crowning achievement of what was a really remarkable career. Uh, when you put together what he accomplished in Cincinnati with what he accomplished here, it was just a, a fantastic body of work. But seeing your number retired for any athlete at any level, uh, it's it's a big deal. You know, it's it's something that's reserved for only the most special players, and uh, you could tell that. You know, it came through in his answers, uh, just how much it means to him and his family and how excited they were to come here and be back on the field at Yankee Stadium. You know, he's he's still here all the time as a broadcaster and, and you know, he's very uh, in tune with what's going on with, with the franchise and everything. But the opportunity to be on the field in front of a packed house in the Bronx and have them be there for you to, you know, chant your name again uh, is something that doesn't come around every day. And he really embraced it. It's interesting reading back on that Q&A now. And, and so much of Paul O'Neill's Yankees life and Yankees career can really be boiled down to the reception he got in game five of the 2001 World Series, his last home game. Everyone knew it was his last home game. And we remember that now, obviously. Look, that game is iconic in so many ways in Yankees history. but it sure looked for a while like the team was going to go down three games to two in that World Series. And frankly, I think it's also worth pointing out, they did lose the World Series. So, you know, the, but and yet that, that that's just such a incredible memory and an incredible assessment of the relationship that these fans had with him. And he talks a lot about that in the Q&A. And again, not to keep going back to the same well here, but I don't know whether you're watching on TV or in the stadium and you just saw for all the joy of, yes, it's great to have your number put up there and it's really exciting and it's great to see all your teammates around there, but to watch him just look around the stadium as the fans were going crazy for him and to remember that feeling, you could tell just he was adding it to a long list of incredible feelings he's had in the Bronx and it was familiar in a sense and he remembered the sound, but also to get to experience it again, I can't even fathom what that's like. Paul O'Neill and the, and the Yankees fan base just always had a, a heartfelt connection, I feel like, you know, I mean, sure, fans uh, were in love with all those guys from those teams, uh, you know, whether it was Bernie Williams or Derek Jeter or Mariano, everybody had their favorite guy or, or had their, you know, their jersey that they bought to, to support uh, one of those guys. But with O'Neill, I don't know, there was just something about him that resonated with so many people. I think it was the, uh, just how hard he was on himself, I think had a lot to do with it. Uh, people just, 
you know, when you see a guy strike out four times in a game and he doesn't show any emotion about it, some people are like, man, like, aren't you, I'm, I'm ticked off. Why aren't you? But you know, every, every ball player kind of marches to their own beat. And for some guys showing frustration outwardly is not helpful to them. O'Neill wasn't one of those guys, you know, he kind of wore his heart on his sleeve and uh, that endeared him to a lot of people. So, I mean, those you're, you're right. I mean, game five of the 2001 world series, it was as uh, intense as that world series was. And as huge of a game as that was the Yankees trying to battle back from being down 0-2 in the series, and now they had tied it 2-2. Uh, fans weren't about to let Paulio walk off into the sunset without giving him a proper goodbye. And so, uh, you know, a lot of those same fans were here this week to give him a proper uh, celebration for having his number retired by the New York Yankees. But the other part of this, as you said, is he's still such a part of the Yankees family, if you will, but also just day-to-day Yankee life. His voice is about as familiar as anything that Yankees fans hear these days. He obviously calls so many games on the S Network and has now for 20 years since, since the network launched. I'm curious, Nate, when you talked to him now, and again, it's not like you were talking to him at the stadium right before or right after the ceremony. You talked to him very much in his element in Cincinnati, Ohio. Do you think he feels this past Sunday, notwithstanding, more like a baseball broadcaster now or a baseball player? former baseball hmm. that's, a, that's a interesting observation you know i think it, there it, it's almost the same amount of time for each right i mean he's been a broadcaster for 20 years and uh he played what six, 17 years 17. in the big leagues at his very core he's the baseball player and as good as he is as a broadcaster uh, I, I just feel like he probably still has the heart of a baseball player I mean, if you read his book uh, that came out, the one he did with Jack Curry recently, Swinging a Hit, um, he's just spent so much of his life dedicated to uh, becoming a hitter, becoming an an all-around baseball player. Uh, You can't just shut that off. So um, maybe in another 20 years, he'll feel more like a broadcaster than a baseball player. But to me talking to him, it still sounds like I'm, feels like I'm talking to a hitter. It's so true. And and yet, and again, I think we can wrap up the conversation about Paul here. There is just something to be said about the fact that the 1990s, the late 90s, they don't feel that long ago in a sense. They still feel very much of a piece with what this team is. I think fans still reckon with those late 90s teams in a lot of ways as though it's less than two decades ago, two and a half decades ago. And yet, then you see the ceremony like this, and sure, Bernie's got a lot of gray hair and all that stuff, but Paul O'Neill is sitting out there next to his two grandkids, and it, it's just, you know, it, time just marches, man. It, it, it's so strange, and, and, and look, there's nothing new there that's obvious, but yeah, these guys, you know, Paul Paul O'Neill is sitting there with his grandkids, and that's not the image that I think comes back when you uh, when you think of Paul O'Neill, New York Yankee. No, it's uh, it's funny how time marches on, but that's part of the beauty of baseball and part of uh, the fun of being a Yankee fan is, it's, you know, the connections between those different generations. And come to Yankee Stadium, you celebrate a guy who was uh, delivering 
helping deliver world championships back in the late 90s. And then you watch a ball game with a guy like uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, who was born in 1999, go out there and make plays for the team. It was kind of reminiscent of Aaron Judge's first game when the, the 96 team was here. So we were celebrating the 20th anniversary. The core four was in the house. And then uh, Aaron Judge goes out and hits a ball off the, the restaurant in center field for his, in his first plate appearance. So all part of the, the cycle of baseball and the, the cycle of being a Yankees fan and sharing the memories of, you know, teams and, and games and players gone by with the current generation it makes it a whole lot of fun. Really exciting day. It's a great Q&A. And I think just to go back to what I was saying at the beginning, an exciting baseball game that day, too. I, I don't think that should be lost. Obviously, it's been a tough month for a lot of the Yankees players, certainly, and even the Yankees fans. And I, there's no question that there was an energy in the park from the ceremony, but it carried over through the game. And, and I'll say again, just the Benintendi home run, it was about as loud as I remember the stadium being on a Sunday day game in a long time. And it was pretty exciting. So we'll see what comes from that. But obviously, Nate, great job in this Q&A. It is online right now at yankees.com slash magazine, and it is called The Warriors Day Cometh. But obviously, that's not the only piece we have in the August issue of Yankees Magazine, which is still on sale for a couple more days. Nate, we've spoken about a lot of them already, but one really unique piece that we have not gotten to yet is a feature that Rich Tomaselli wrote on Twinkle Toes, George Selkirk. Nate, I did not know who George Selkirk was. How did we find the story? How did the <laughs> how did the story end up in our lineup this year? You know, I, I don't remember the exact uh, genesis of how this particular story came to be, but uh, you know, just as we were saying about the, you know, how, what a joy it is to, you know, be a Yankees fan and look back at, at Yankees history. I mean, this is the type of story that you know you can dip into uh, almost any team from the last century and pick out a guy from the lineup and. You know, if you have a good, good enough writer, you can have a full, you know, eight page story about this guy in a magazine in 2022 that I think a lot of fans will be really interested to read. George Selkirk was the guy who came after Babe Ruth and played right field for the New York Yankees. He was from Canada originally, but was raised in upstate New York, I think near Rochester or maybe even in Rochester. I mean, talk about big shoes to fill. You know, you're coming after the greatest baseball player who ever lived. Not only are you putting on the pinstripes, but you've got to go out to right field and play that position. And Selkirk really embraced it. He did not shy away from it at all, going so far as to take the uniform number three. So he wore it well. I think he played uh, nine seasons for the Yankees following Ruth and had a lot of success out there. It was a big part of those four straight championships, 36 to 39. And like you said, just went on to do a lot of really interesting, noteworthy things in the game of baseball. There are so many stories that are easy to figure out. There are so many things in Yankees history that you know and they make sense, and yet we can still mine 3,000 words off of just talking about it again and trying to find something new about it. It's so interesting to me that there's still stuff like this that, and I don't want to put myself on a pedestal here when I say this, this is going to sound ridiculous, but like I'm amazed there's stuff I don't know about Yankees history at this point. And frankly, it had never occurred to me to wonder who replaced Babe Ruth, but this kind of gets to another story that we'll talk about probably two months from now, a story that we're thinking about for our October issue right now. We just started planning it today. And the reality is 
the Yankees history as we know it, 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 it's it's fluid in a lot of ways and things change. And the Yankees weren't always the Yankees and they weren't always, of course, the 27 time world champion Yankees. This stuff evolves. But Babe Ruth was Babe Ruth when he left the Yankees. This isn't a guy whose legacy grew over the years. I mean, he he was truly bigger than the sport. I mean, he, he, there was no comparison to him. And we've thought in recent years, man, replacing Don Mattingly, man, replacing Derek Jeter, you know, all these things. I don't think that you can add up every player in Yankees history that you had to replace and compare it to what it must be like to replace Babe Ruth. Right. But, you know, baseball is still baseball. It's still a team game. And as big of a figure as Babe Ruth was, and you're right, I mean, there was nobody bigger. There's still eight other guys in the lineup. And, you know, you might be down two runs going into the ninth and maybe, you know, Ruth, he's not going to get up this inning. You need the, uh, the, the George Selkirks of the world and, uh, you know, the other guys to, to fill in and and they all embraced wearing the pinstripes just as much as the superstars did and made their own mark on the team's history. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun for us to kind of unearth some of those stories because uh, everybody has one, you know, and we always talk about being down in the clubhouse this year and you look around, you see, you know, 26 guys in there and it's 26 stories. You know, everybody has a, a journey to get to this point and uh, what they do when they get here can be pretty spectacular. It's such a great point. And I, and I do always try to think that in the clubhouse that these guys have their own stories. The other thing that I think about a lot, and this is actually something I, I kick around a lot in terms of how to maybe write this someday. The other thing these guys all have is the experience of being there as other people's stories are written. I'm always amazed by the fact that Kyle Higashioka, he is what he is. He's never going to be a Hall of Famer probably, but God bless him. He's a New York Yankee. But in addition to that, he's somebody who gets to give Aaron Judge a high five as he goes to this historic season. He's right there for it. Yeah, as much a part of the roster as Aaron Judge is. And, and, and I've always, I'm always fascinated by the way these guys' stories all intersect in some ways and the way that they witness it from a different perspective than we do, whether from the stands or the press box. And obviously, one crucial and really tragic aspect of that is... Selkirk being very present as Lou Gehrig started showing some signs of the disease that would eventually kill him. And, and I, I remember reading that the first time. And again, I, I keep repeating myself. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the story. I don't know anything about this guy. I'm learning so much. And then you get to this section of him literally just kind of like wrestling with Lou Gehrig, yeah, playfully, I should say, and just realizing that he was beating him up and not getting any pushback from Gehrig and recognizing something might've been wrong. There's guys who have a, a, literally a front row seat to history being made you know i <laughs> uh for a story in in next month's uh edition of yankees magazine you know i dug into uh some of the past home run chases that have happened here and i was reading a lot about roger maris and his pursuit of Babe ruth's record in 1961 and it's you know just what you're talking about now john is making me think about how roger maris shared an apartment with mickey mantle and bob serve during 1961 and it's like you know yankees fans of a certain age will know who bob serve is but there are plenty of yankees fans who are younger who have no idea who that is but he was the guy who you know lived with uh, roger maris and mickey mantle during their amazing home run chase in 1961 so yeah i mean guys their contributions maybe they're not the one who's hitting 61 home runs or uh, they're not luke Gehrig, they're not babe ruth but they're part of the team and they play an important role. It can be direct or indirect. You know, it could be a guy who's setting the tone atop the lineup and getting on base 
ahead of those big sluggers and, and, you know, distracting the pitcher from what he's trying to do. Uh, or it could be, you know, somebody who's maybe just a, a key presence in the clubhouse who helps these guys stay in the right frame of mind every day. Absolutely. And and this is just a great example of what we're able to do with Yankees history. Uh, Rich Tomaselli, a freelance writer we use a lot, he did just a fantastic job with it. It's so interesting. It's Look, I, look I obviously, a lot of people buy Yankees magazines because they want to keep score at the game. Other people buy it because they just want to read another thing about Aaron Judge. They want to read another thing about Garrett Cole, whatever. And God bless all of you. Like That's great. <laughs> Please keep doing it. But I do love, I don't want to call it Give him some some vegetables too, because I don't think that's what this is. But I do like building a complete plate and a really balanced meal in a sense with this magazine. And I think a story like this does that. I hope that everyone who bought this magazine because of the beautiful cover with the Yankees All Stars and the picture from Dodger Stadium, I, I just hope they all read this story too, because this is as much a part of what the Yankees history means as Giancarlo Stanton winning the MVP in an All Star game. Maybe maybe even more to be honest. Yeah, no doubt. And look, it's not easy to uh, outsmart knowledgeable Yankees fans, but if you read Yankees magazine, you're going to have a leg up on them. So keep reading it. (laughs) There it is. So Nate, thanks a lot for uh, chatting today. And uh, obviously, man, next time we do this, it's going to be September. September magazine will be on newsstands and we will be really just barreling our way toward uh, hopefully the postseason, but uh, certainly toward October. So look forward to speaking to you in a couple of weeks. Sounds good, John. I look forward to it as well. And to all the rest of you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. If you are not already subscribing, it is quite literally impossible to understand what you're waiting for. Please go to yankees.com slash podcast for the podcast app of your choice. Subscribe, rate, review us, tell your friends. It really it, it's the best way to get the message out about this, and it really does help us. Of course, you can read all of our long-form content, including the two stories we just discussed at yankees.com slash magazine. We hope that you will check us out. Certainly, we'd also want you to subscribe and buy issues by calling 800-GO-YANKS or going to yankees.com slash publications. Lastly, please, 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 please follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Follow us on Facebook at Yankees Magazine. Send us letters, podcast at yankees.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Let us know what you want us to discuss. Let us know what you wish we wouldn't discuss. Whatever. Thanks so much. Have a great day and go Yanks. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.